0: Today, on a very special episode of Flock of Seagulls, Riley, Michael, Jamie, and Anthony, four people, two you've never heard of, discuss the greatest reality television event of 2009.
1: How come when you deliberately uh, professionalize your voice, you sound like a baby?
0: (laughs) I don't know. Today, on Flock of Seagulls, we discuss... Steven Seagull's
2: law man. Steven Seagal. That's right. Steven Seagal.
0: All right, guys. Very special flock of Seagulls. Michael, you're here with me. Yes. <laughs> Good. Uh, Jamie. Anthony, welcome to the show for the
2: first time for a very special episode. Thank you, Riley. If there's any block of Seagals that needed special guests, it's clearly the Steven Seagal full colon lawman episode. I don't, this kind of puts his entire filmography in like a different light because it's Steven Seagal, the prototypical action hero, kind of doing action stuff, but with a backdrop of banal street-level police work. And that, like, there's no flying kicks. There's no good guys and bad guys. It's just, like, traffic stops, you know, drunken guys doing dumb stuff, someone not paying child support. And it's, like, kind of more harrowing than you could say uh, any of his films.
3: But But then between all that, there's, like, his self-improvement bits and then his, like improving his friends
2: that's actually a brilliant point because it's like that's that's like the one plot point that carries through from his fictional self to his real self and that like even though the action scenes suck in Steven Seagal Lawman he's still taking his fellow officers to go get acupuncture (laughs) uh he's still Showing that he's the greatest marksman he's in the
3: master world. shooter. Yeah,
2: exactly. So let's talk about what we're actually dealing with today,
0: which is the first four episodes of Steven Seagal's reality TV show, Lawmen. Steven Seagal, Lawman. I don't know if it was heralded at the time as like a comeback for Steven Seagal, but it is sort of A&E's bread and butter. It originally aired on a and I believe, right?
2: Yeah, it, it actually... I am not sure if it has been dethroned, but at the time in two thousand nine, it had the most viewers of anything A and E has ever done.
1: Even after it, Dog the Bounty Hunter and all that shit.
2: Again, like I, I'm not sure if this has since been dethroned, but it drew the first episode drew three point four million views, <laughs> which I mean that's a lot. Like that's I mean, like
1: one one hundredth of the United States of America. Yeah,
2: like I mean, like like for example, like like today when they have a UFC event. When they get more than a million viewers, that's considered to be a pretty good success. And I mean, considering how much money the UFC makes, to put it in the context of like, this is 2009, so for an a program to get 3.4 million viewers, like, it was huge, you know? And that's pretty
1: significant considering that Sigal, in this particular incarnation of himself, Looks like uh, a bloated corpse floating in a river.
0: Whoa, 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 whoa. We haven't gotten to a floating corpse version of Seagal. And also, I take offense to that. This is sort of what I like to call the bear-esque version of Steven Seagal, where he is, he's giant, but he's heavy set for a, he's got a weight that sort of seems to suit his body. He doesn't look bloated yet. You
1: haven't watched his 2016 outputs. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. He's imposing. Does he have the last name of a bird uh, because he's of Native American descent? No, he's he's, he's of what? Jewish and Irish and Irish Jewish, I think. So name? what the fuck is his actual last name?
2: Segal. Yeah.
3: But, not seagull.
2: Not seagull. Sig. Se- oh, okay. Oh, my God,
0: are you working through the title of this show
1: during the taping of it? (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to digest the episodes that I witnessed by first principles, which is understanding the subject at his root.
2: Okay, so as they would see, as I would say at a Google meeting, let's walk this back. Exactly how the show got started and exactly how an action star could be policing for 20 years. Two big questions. So the story behind it is that back when Steven Seagal's career was first getting started with Above the Law, so basically in the late 80s, the sheriff at the time, Harry Lee, asked him to come down and teach his officers uh, weapon retention techniques using uh, his background of Aikido, and that uh, Sheriff Harry Lee was so impressed, he asked him to be part of the force. So... What that's, does weapon retention
1: mean? Acquiring a weapon or not that using like, a weapon? Like
2: if you're using your weapon, uh, stopping someone from stealing it from you. Oh, yeah. And so that's the backstory that we're given in the first episode. It does, of course, beg the question: Is it really possible that Steven Seagal had been a cop for 20 years and no one said anything? And it took till 2009 for someone to be like, "We should make a series about this." Like. That's a tough one, I got to say. And I mean, there's certainly a lot of contrasting opinions online.
1: To be fair, like Rain Wilson was a Wackahawnee County uh, a police sheriff for a number of years before he started filming The Office. And that actually informed a lot of his character for the show.
0: I think one of the amazing things about this show is just it mixes up the truth and the lies that Steven Seagal has sort of said over the years, even more so than... Just him in the movies, like sort of, has he been threatened by the mob? Does he have CIA connections? All these sorts of things sort of come to the mix when you see him in his house training guard dogs from Canine Protection International. Like, it, it, to make sure that they know to keep attacking an intruder, even when Steven Seagal himself goes after that intruder. It's really, it. it just... It blends the fiction and the fact about this man so much more in a way that none of his films have, That in a way that is just, it's beautiful for us, sort of, uh, not you so much, Jamie or you, Tony, but for Michael and I, just as connoisseurs of Steven Seagal, it's like experiencing a new color of this man, and you thought you could see all colors before But then, you know, overnight you slept on a radiation rod and you developed new cones in your eyes and you could see a new color. And that color was a different shade of seagull, And you enjoyed every moment of that. But it's impossible to describe what that
1: color is to other people. It's kind of like, uh, I mean, that whole segment where he's training his dogs is sort of like further cemented in its legitimacy by the fact that the guy that he gets from the supposed institute that verifies that the dogs are somehow fucking certified to protect his house. Uh looks like a a bit character from Nathan for You, the guy that lo- <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the guy that loves to guard the jewelry store because it quite often has clientele with very large breasts and he's like the shlubby you know, piece of shit. Uh, So you
0: think this guy has started training dogs because too many people came into his house, even as an
2: adult man, just giving him purple nurples. It's like, this ends now. This is a whole new dimension to all things cigar. Like, I mean, I don't think that that is an exaggeration at all. And I mean, I, I think the fact that like this is coming, you know, like, Quite late in his career, the Patriot came out in what 2000, 2000? 2000, yeah, yeah. So I mean, this is nine years after his first straight to video. The
1: whole reason this thing came out is because he no longer has a career, obviously.
2: Well, I mean, again, like I mean, Sigal's like her kind of career trajectory. It's kind of forcing you to like rethink exactly what it means to have a career, like just because your things are going straight to video, does that mean you're a has-been? If you're putting out, you know, six films, and I mean, like, I think his net worth is, it's above $10 million. So, I mean, he's not doing terrible. Are his current films as good as, you know, uh, Under Siege Mark for Death? I mean, most people probably agree, no. But, I mean, actually, given the numbers that, you know, you mentioned before, the uh, 3.4 million viewers or whatever, in 2009, how did this not... Like revitalize his career. Like, how is this not his John Travolta Pulp Fiction? Well, I think
0: the way that it got shut down is probably the reason, (laughs) which is just as bizarre and just as much mixes the fact and the fiction of Steven Seagal's
2: grandiose uh, legacy even more. Yeah. So the story was his former assistant uh, made allegations of sexual harassment and that he was trafficking Russian prostitutes. Uh, these things kind of ended up <laughs> tanking, lawman. But here's here's like the the important. How do point. you do
3: that? So wait, wait.
2: No criminal charges were ever filed, so you can't help but question the legitimacy of the allegations. When the person, like, n- no, there was no attempt to go to the police and say, "I want this person arrested." How do you go to the police when the person you're trying to sue is the lawman? Was this se- like a secretary
1: room. a jilted lover? It seemed like an intimate relationship. So
0: it, when you read tabloids, it was like from his former time, assistant. I think. Yeah, and she had made various accusations of salacious things that Steven Seagal had done. Oh, yeah, that's a good word. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Trying to up my game for this special edition of Block of Seagal's. Uh, which is good because I'm also now referring to it as its actual name and just all, <laughs> not just the Steven Seagal podcast, which this is not.
3: It's not Flock of Seagulls. Seagals.
0: <laughs> Are you going to say anything useful you're just going to poke fucking fun at me?
3: Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Let, let's talk about the cast of, of Flock of Seagals. Sorry, sorry, of Steven Seagal Lawman. So,
0: wait, uh, let's let Tony cover this part of this.
3: Yeah, let's not do that.
0: <laughs> no, just name one cast member who is in Steven Seagal. The dude who who is
3: brothers with the guy. <laughs> 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 he went to school with his brother. Right. And he knew it wasn't Lance. Whoa. Yes. Was yeah, like, there Chloe. you go. Whoa. Lance. There you go.
1: He knew that guy's name was Michael and shit. Uh but yeah, let's be real. Let's start rapping about my friend, my Lord
0: and Savior Jesus Christ, also known as Stephen seagal Um so let's let's do let's do talk about these characters. Yes. Let's eat chips in during the podcast, Jamie? That won't sound super terrible. Hey, eh? that crinkle 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 crinkle. So, who am I? Crinkle crinkle crinkle. I'm the chip bag. I wasn't invited to be on this fucking podcast, but here I am across all the mics.
2: One thing that I thought was kind of funny (laughs) was how two of the guys kind of had like those Lower East Side kind of accents, like uh, Colonel Fortunato and uh, Larry Dias. Have we mentioned where this is located? This is located in Jefferson Parish, Louisiana, which uh, was decimated by Hurricane Katrina. No thanks to the Nutria destroying the levees is a uh, kind of looks like a beaver crossed with a rat and uh, they're an invasive species that fucked up all the levees and so the SWAT team goes around at night and shoots them but Sagal <laughs> refuses to take their lives cuz they're god's creatures. Is this
3: an episode that we didn't watch? Oh, yeah.
2: this is an episode of Man. There's there's an ep- there's an episode where The SWAT team are going around with silenced uh, twenty-two caliber rifles blowing away these nutria, which again it looks like a cute little beaver and they're in the show? Oh yeah, and they're smoking them.
1: (laughs) Do they do they show the the creatures?
2: Oh yeah. And then afterwards they Seagal feeds them to an alligator. (laughs) (laughs) Does Seagal have one of his Seagal sense moments? No, but he has a sweet line. So he's he so he doesn't want to kill the new tree himself because they're all uh, God's created, uh, Zen and whatever, whatever. But he's he's willing to feed the meat to an alligator. And so he's like, I've been doing martial arts all my life, but I wouldn't want to. F- I wouldn't want to hurt this ten foot gator. The gator's just like, don't worry, motherfucker. You're not gonna hurt me. <laughs> I'll bite. I'll bite that fucking gut off, homie.
3: <laughs> I'm not gonna yeah. hurt you. I'm made of your girlfriend's shoes. Except imagine the ratings if you did get a fight with an alligator.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, they definitely would break six mil ratings for sure. Absolutely. Uh, does it, uh, Steven Seagal fights an alligator, gator, gator. <laughs> so yeah, well, uh, let's talk about the rest of the cast.
3: So I remember the black dude. He's so the
2: yeah, the, so the black guy is Lawrence Matthews, who definitely Mr. Comic Relief. Also he seems to be the most sen- senior person of the cast. You know, I see that's a good point that like the youngest guy, the bald white guy, he looks like he's late 30s at the youngest.
1: Is that the fucking Michael Chickless looking guy?
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, the, yeah, it, there's definitely not. Yeah, a, imagine Michael Chickless with
0: anorexia. Yeah. Like, there's definitely not a, a lot of young bucks. Imagine the thing if he was
2: just pebbles. I
1: can't do that. <laughs> Skinny Michael Chickless,
2: like. Do you think that they cast these sort of like uh, silver fox dudes to offset Seagal being like he's in his 50s at this point, right? Or 60s, like minimum, minimum 50s, right? I don't think
0: looking at the budget of this show, which I don't know, but I'm assuming it's close to just whatever we could get production assistants to go out and film this thing for. I'm assuming that it is actually the police force of uh, Jefferson Parish County. Perish. Perish yeah. This seems like the sort of police force that they have.
3: But is it like an actual team and then Seagal just gets inserted into it?
2: So th- there's a lot of debate about that. Some people have contended that Seagal's position is purely honorary and that uh, he doesn't have this what's called this post certification, which in certain states police officers have to have. Although in Louisiana, you don't have to have it. And in the first episode, he's referred
0: to as a reserve
2: deputy. Right. Right. And then uh, Fortunato, who's the guy who he's always paired with, he's actually defended him in interviews saying that Seagal works minimum twice a week. Dang. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, we don't have video evidence, you know, from 1995. Because, I mean, if you notice in the uh, first episode, they say he became a cop. But in that video footage, it's actually the present day sheriff being sworn in and Segal is clearly it's two thousand nine Seagal. So I mean the, the editing is a little misleading. But I mean, <laughs> like based on all I guess the sources who would know, i.e. the cops there, it seems like he actually is doing this. I mean, again, like I mean, it's clearly like a like a street level sort of thing. Like, I mean, he's clearly not doing investigations, but if he's actually doing it,
1: why not film it in such a way that it's irrefutable that he's actually fucking doing it instead of looking like a bloated, shrunken head.
2: But I mean, like there's like there's episodes where uh, like a guy won't get out of a car and he kicks in the window and pulls him out. (laughs) So, I mean, like he's, he's definitely doing actual police work like, you know, he's, you know, not doing DNA testing and finding murderers and rapists like it's certainly more of like so you you
1: you legitimately believe in a certain amount of integrity of the show's like central premise
2: I'd say so like I guess it's like it's almost scarier to accept the fact that this is real because like that means that there's that much obvious crime for the producers to exploit. Like, just by driving around, they know they're going to hit a gold mine.
1: But they don't play the show for laughs. They don't
2: exploit. But it, it's titillation. You know what I mean? And the fact that they were able to get this much footage on calls that, you know, weren't super dangerous and that, like, I mean, there's three seasons. Well, two and a
0: half seasons. We should get into some of these calls because at least in the first four episodes, what we're dealing with tonight, the calls are pretty
1: mundane. Yes. For the most part. And actually Segal himself is really only featured doing the like standard reality TV paraphrasing of what's supposed to be going on in conjunction with whatever footage supports his voiceover.
2: Yes and no. Because I guess it's like here's here's the thing, it it's giving you an insight into and again I'll I'll kind of use this word again like the banality of street level policing.
1: You're like the Milo Yiannopoulos like like defending the Trump administration right now. It's no no no, it's crazy.
2: It's basically that like like the really crazy uh, like sexy Michael Mann style police stuff. Like, street-level cops would never deal with that. Like, like when they have, like, a high-value target and the, they got to blow a wall in someone's house open, like, they would call the the tactical unit. But, I mean, like, like this is the boring-ass shit that cops deal with. And it's like, this guy is drunk. My baby ran across the street. There's a disturbance at a bar. These guys are clearly drinking a bottle of Goldschlager. And so it's like, it seems like it's, like, the, the TV station forcing cops to make these stupid stops and harassing black people and whatever, whatever, just to get some shit on TV. But the reality is that, like, unfortunately, that's how street of policing works. And, like... The, are you speaking from a certain amount of experience? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: Okay, well, so then you are actually, like, a little bit more informed than the rest of us to be able to... Invalu- uh, to- to be able to evaluate the integrity of the show
2: you, I, like i mean like the, the i guess the unfortunate thing is that like the integrity of the show is validated by the unfortunate reality of first of all like how boring most street level uh, cops jobs are and also kind of going back to uh, riley made reference to like so the the percentage of african americans in Jefferson parish is 22.86% uh, and I mean, when Why you the watch the show, I you know that I, mean, I got to do some research for this uh, this program. Do podcast
1: listeners know your previous job?
2: I I did work for the auto police.
1: The, and they the, like, has this ever been discussed in previous episodes? It must have
2: come up at some. Point. I don't think so. I think we were too busy talking about cinematography. Let's get into real shit. When you watch the show, it seems on the surface, just sort of like, like a, P, you could say, oh, it's a PR experiment for Steven Seagal. It's late period uh, denouement of the the cops kind of like model again like i mean when you think about that statistic of that less than a quarter of the population is african-american but when you watch again i've seen the entire first season i mean there's so few white faces that are interacting with law enforcement you know like even though there's this issue of like, oh, like this is boring. There's this like this is not an exciting action film, but it's making you think a lot more. It takes so little information and so little like wait a sec, you know, like well, how come every face is black, you know? So I don't think in the first four episodes there is a
0: white suspect that they bring into.
2: I don't even think there's a white suspect ever. I think there's a there's a traffic accident. And there's some white faces, but they're not committing a crime. So it's like it's like every perp is not a
1: Caucasian. Does Steven Seagal ever battle uh, white uh, villains in his movies?
2: Oh, yeah. All the time.
0: Actually, I mean, most of the time it's like... Yeah,
2: it's almost always white guys.
0: It's like the head of the CIA who wants this guy dead because he knows too much, and yet he's let him live in relative obscurity as a police officer or... Like a crime scene analyst or something like that, pursue for too many years. And then now all of a sudden, he's caught on to something that's bigger than him. That's Steven Seagal's sort of MO. Let's talk about a sort of the way that this show works, which is every week, viewers came in and they got like two to three crimes and then one special mission that gave you more insight in t- into
2: Steven Seagal's life. And also the crimes tie in to the bts stuff but in like the most obvious way possible it's like oh i'm training my
0: i'm training my
2: dogs this week yeah we we use a cop in the crime uh-oh let's involve dogs <laughs> or there's like a, a, a kid may or may not have been hit by a car let's go to the children's hospital
3: i also love how like seagull comes off as just like you know he's like the leader or like the toughest guy on the team but then also almost once per crime or once per stop, there's like one person that wants to like take a photo with him. or Yeah.
1: Something. And he, he leverages every opportunity to embrace his celebrity.
2: Although, you know, it's interesting because sometimes he uses that to diffuse situations. Uh, there's another one where he uses that to get people to come to like a law enforcement kind of like community event
3: the Children's Hospital? Yeah,
2: yeah. Like, it, it seems like he is almost, like, unexpectedly, like, tactical in sort of using his celebrity. W- By tactical, do you mean tactful?
1: Are you trying to argue that <laughs> no, he's tactful?
2: No, no, definitely not. Definitely not tactful. Basically that, like, like he's taking advantage of that to arrive at some certain end.
0: I posted my men around a, a central perimeter while I played a very tactful uh, guitar solo to make sure that the uh, surrounding uh, area dispersed peacefully after this event was done.
2: Obviously, at, at this point, we have to get into the sagal sense. Okay, so the
0: one thing that separates this from like a regular police show is every once in a while as mandated by the network every every three times an episode, Steven Seagal will have a sense that someone that the camera crew just happens to be focusing in on is doing something incorrectly in a way that only Steven Seagal due to being a Zen master and an Aikido sensei. How do you want to?
3: Is
1: Aikido real?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's a recognized (laughs) martial art. Is it super practical? No.
3: That's the one where they, like, try to use
2: the power to... force against. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I guess to give it some context, like, I mean, like, the guy who created Aikido, like, died in the late 60s. So, I mean, it's not one of those things where it has, like, thousands of years of lineage. Again, th- that doesn't mean that something is not good, you know? Like, Brazilian Jitsi jitsu or whatever, I mean, it it hasn't been around that long, and it's probably the most effective fighting style in the world. So, I mean, that's not saying that it's not a real thing. It's just that, like, it, it doesn't have some, like, storied lineage or he something. He wasn't
3: able to use the power of someone else's young age to make him live longer.
2: Right. All that being said, like, I mean, he is a legitimate practitioner of Aikido. Right, like he—he he, he is certainly like like he's—he's the, he's the first foreigner to open an Aikido dojo in Japan. Michael, yeah. Do you respect Steven Seagal? You know, I can't help but respect him. For sure. Like, I mean, you know, would we be BFFs? Probably not. But I mean, like, you know, like we're 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 this is a seventh episode in a podcast about one person. So I mean, yeah. I mean I there's they, certainly no hesitation in saying yes for sure.
0: I think this is one of the interesting things about this show which is that I went from like 1% respect to for Steven Seagal to like 30 40 50% respect for Steven Seagal. like he is a gifted marksman. He knows Aikido. like he is he can back up these claims of being probably one of the best in the world of these things that he's doing. He's touching pressure points. He's, he's manipulating. Like he, he brings in his officers at one point who are all dressed up in their sort of sheriff's uniforms and then starts toying around with them. Like they're nothing. And I mean, like they're nothing, not in a, he's six foot five and they're all five foot nothing sort of way. Like in a legitimate, these guys are
1: uncomfortable. Can I tell you guys a relevant story? So every day I take a para bus to work. Nobody said yes.
0: <laughs> I, I... <laughs> and I are you going to preface this with you're in a wheelchair?
1: I sure. Yeah, I'm in a wheelchair. Hence the para prefix to my transpo every day. But I uh so I take Can you a... tell this story by saying para before every word.
3: To my transpo.
1: No, I'm just gonna tell this story. It's called para Latin. <laughs> <laughs> Please edit out Michael's
2: laughter. <laughs> <laughs> this, this could be like an interdimensional uh TV episode. <laughs> Sarah Angela. Sarah
0: Angela.
1: <laughs> How did we get here? I take a paratransport bus to work every day, and on the way there, I'm alone because I'm just after all the dialysis patients have been dropped off and so they have nobody else cuz they don't bring anybody to work. It's mostly just for uh dental appointments and uh like, you know, emergency and medical appointments and then me who goes to work and then gets brought home. But on my way home, some people need to be picked up and or dropped off from dialysis. And there's a lot of people uh in Northwestern Ontario that come away from dialysis in wheelchairs and get loaded onto my paratranspo bus that look a hell of a lot like Steven Seagal with one leg. My question is, is Steven Seagal on dialysis? And why don't they show that in Lawman?
3: Maybe it's episode five. What? It could be episode five. That's true. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. It could be episode five. I go on dialysis
1: to get my blood clean, because you never know what will dirty your blood. (laughs) I clean up the streets, but sometimes I need to clean up
0: myself. (laughs) And then it's just literally a 45 minute episode of him connected up to a dialysis machine. (laughs) Just, and there's like the occasional beep. And then like a nurse has to come in and fix the machine for a little bit. He goes, you good?
3: The whole episode is him driving around on the paratransport bus. (laughs) (laughs) But he's
1: he's playing his little fucking banjo for the people in the dialysis office. Put on the lights, Jim. <laughs>
0: Steven, we told you if you kept trying to disturb the driver, you wouldn't get these pickups this early. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jim. I just have an appointment for 615. <laughs> which I think <laughs> brings us to another point of at least the first four episodes of Llama, which is when you watch them, Steven Seagal is never... Frontline action hero. No,
1: he's always sort of looking from the periphery. He's
0: a great flashlight man, which I'm not sure if there is an official spot in the police academy.
3: That's something they teach you in Aikido, I think. (laughs) (laughs) The
2: way of the flashlight.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The light-handed path. You see a course correction between the first episode of Steven Skull Lawmen and even episode two, three, and four, which is in the first episode they're tracking down somebody. There's a there's a white mm, there's a white SUV a that's white knight? No, no, this is Steven Skull's Lawman. Come on. <laughs> Everybody's a little bit dirty, especially my blood. And um they're tracking down some white SUV. Uh I don't think he's a Bronco, but that's the only white nice. thing
3: in the show, right? But we've already established that, but the SUV is the only white thing in the show.
0: <laughs> <laughs> in the first episode, Steven Seagal, there's a lot more of shots of him saying, you're clear on your right. You're clear on your right. Go to the left. Go to the left. Go to your right. And then the guy who's actually driving the SUV goes, Steven, calm down.
2: Steven, let me drive. Yeah. yeah.
0: Whereas they sort of course correct after episode one, which is it focuses much more on Steven's involvement of the show and more season two or episode two, three, and four sort of expands out and it's more Steven's part of this Titanic group. And let's learn more about that group because Steven really doesn't do much in this group during the times that we're filming.
3: I love like the one time where he had to. There was, like, that girl who came home, and they had to check the house to make sure she was okay to go in it. <laughs> and he was, like, checking the rooms. And there was this one room. It Like, maybe it was a closet, but I thought it was an actual He says it's room. her bedroom. Yeah, he, like... Yeah, and he doesn't even doesn't go even in. Doesn't even go in, yeah. Yeah,
2: and it's pitch black. It could have
3: easily, that's, like, where... Oh, yeah. there,
2: there could be three guys behind <laughs> yeah. the door. Yeah. They tend to get rapey.
3: The one time he had a real job to do.
2: Yeah, and that, like, so I'm like, that's a good point, because... There are moments in the show where they're presenting it as like this, like really procedural kind of thing, where it's just like we're gonna get the dogs out, and the dogs are gonna do this, or like we need to check on their attachments. Attachments are these uh, the reasons why we're gonna bring you into prison. They're 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 filling you in and all this information.
0: Attachments so, is a really odd thing in this show, and I feel like it's very Louisiana
2: specific. Oh yeah, I'd never heard of that before in my life. Yeah, it, it, it's what, definitely- what is that? It's basically that, like, there's these reasons that are going to be, like, related to your profile that the police have for them to bring you in. Right. So it's that, like, th- there is a word for it in Canada. I forget what it is. But it's sort of like, if you have these things, we're, we have to bring you in. Like, we're obligated to bring you in. Even if you haven't done anything wrong, if you have attachments, like, it it doesn't matter. Like, we, even if we want to let you go, like, we're obligated by the court to bring you in.
1: Can you think of like a rudimentary example of that?
2: Well, one that like I ran across when I was working with uh, the auto police was this guy had to be with his brother at all times. And so if he's out in public, he has to be with his brother. And if he's not with his brother, he it's like a condition. I think that's what they call it in, in Canada. It's like it's like a condition or something or something like that. And that like if he's not with his brother, even if you're not doing anything, even if you're just at McDonald's, like the cops have to bring you in. And, like, they were, like, begrudgingly obligated to do that. And, like, the, there was, like, a language barrier. This guy was from, like, uh, Africa. Like, they felt bad bringing him in, and he didn't understand what was going on, but they're just, like, really sorry, but, like, you can't be out in public if your brother's not with you. So I think it's something like that.
1: It's so- kind of like Rain Man. the movie <laughs> cut that out, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, this is golden, Jamie. <laughs> just keep rolling.
3: Spending keep too keep much time down. with those dialysis people. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but the, the the issue of like exactly what uh, Seagal is doing, like what what is his role? Is this just a joke? Is this just a real thing? Is he actually in danger? It, like, is he actually you know making the streets of Jefferson Parish safer? I think that's a valid question. And I mean, like over the course of the show. Like, there's some good stuff being done. I mean, even just over the course of, you know, the, I think it was like 13 or 14 episodes in the first season, they get a number of guns off the street. You could make the argument that, oh, you know, he's a celebrity, he's being sent on these joke calls. But, I mean, like, there's guys with, there's a guy with a shotgun down his pants, there's a guy with a hunting rifle down his pants. You know, there's several fire, like, uh, several handguns. And, I mean, like, they could have shot him. So, I mean... Like when it comes to kind of questioning the legitimacy or even I don't know the importance or the value of what he's doing.
3: I mean, like directly or indirectly, he's bringing money to the city. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Even if it's cynically him just donating money to the police. This is
1: a genuine plot twist for me because I was under the ins uh, under the impression based on the overall facetiousness of your Seagal memes <laughs> that you thought that he was like a parodically like ridiculous individual uh, in the vein of, uh, Donald Trump.
2: Oh no, not at all. Like, they, but like I, like when, when Riley and I were in, initially talking about this whole sort of concept, like the, 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 the one thing that we were almost f- like forced to agree on just by like, like it was like a statement of fact was that like, There is something undeniably enigmatic about Steven Seagal and that like, you know, in spite of all the celebrity testimonies about how
1: ridiculous he is on set. So I think one of the things that is great about this show,
0: which I I mean, it just made me respect Steven Seagal so much more is that there are so many moments where he's backing up things that he has said or things that are sort of referenced in his movies throughout. So there is a scene in the first episode where he fucking kills it as a marksman. And you're not expecting that at all, knowing Steven Seagal in sort of the hyperbolic version of Steven Seagal.
1: Does he really kill it as a marksman? Like, is the the way that they shoot it, does it
2: actually indicate that he's doing the shots? So, I mean, like, th- th- again, that that's a completely valid criticism, but, like, in the second season, so in the first season, we see him kind of tutoring one of the other officers, uh, helping him prepare for his uh, firearm test that each officer has to do every year. And it's framed in, in, in
1: the same sort of way that Gordon Ramsay teaches, like, You know, a shithole
2: chef. It's a completely uh, understandable uh, criticism to be, you know, somewhat reticent to accept the fact that what you're seeing on screen is even close to reality. But I mean, I'm not sure if comparing a police officer's firearm test to a Gordon Ramsay TV show might not really be super appropriate like i'm sure there's some governing body for the police officers and if they found out that people were faking test scores for reality show i'm sure they could get in deep shit you know what i mean like i think i think that could be a crime
3: there was at least one shot i saw of an over the shoulder while he was shooting the target
1: yeah but that could have easily have been the chief from one flew over the Uh Nest. Jamie, at the beginning of this episode, you talked about Steven Seagal
0: as sort of the Dwight Schrute of this uh, sheriff. The Dwight. And I believe that is true in both its most negative and best aspects in that he can actually fucking shoot. You as Michael Scott might not want to recognize that, but he can (laughs) fucking shoot. And his most charismatic moments, as in all of his films, are when he goes and visits and just talks to kids Mm-hmm. It happens in, what was the last movie we watched? The Patriot. The Patriot, where just all the easiest scenes came to him when it was just him and his daughter. And in this, all the best scenes are him talking to these kids.
1: Are you guys just fucking with me? I, I agree with you that he is the Dwight Knight. But...
2: <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, is someone writing this down? We need to get a shirt of us. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this
2: I love that, Dwight Knight. That's great.
1: I... Like, <laughs> He, like, he, he's, he's, like, trash. It is a vehicle for the latter, like, death rattle of his existence as a human. I don't believe that you guys actually think that there is any credibility behind Steven Seagal. Uh, fundamentally because the bird that is uh, reticent of his last name uh, is a piece of shit. And so is he. And it's like, this show is just an extension of everything else that has come out of A&E for the last 15 years. So I really don't understand why we are sitting around trying to pretend that Steven Seagal is a legitimate entity. Are you putting Phlox of Seagal's on trial right now? Because I will not have that. I'm saying the only thing shittier than his toupee
3: is that of Donald Trump's. Well, you can't argue that he's enigmatic. Like, even Trump is enigmatic. Sure, but that is lowest
1: common denominator, and that does not require a bunch of hipsters and me and Anthony to sit around <laughs> and talk about Seagal. You know what I mean? Like, but you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, I am doing it because I'm fascinated I, by I, this.
2: I, normally, I, I would uh, resist tooting my own horn but I feel like I'm being forced in the situation that I mean like no one else has done this so I mean you know like reality has forced our hand like, like someone has to point all this out like it's just like it, it's too easy to say oh lawman is silly and oh Steven Seagal still making movies but he's fat and it's dumb No, you know? no, no it's no, just no, like, no no like, no no but I mean we're talking about all these things that no one else talks about And like that's why we're doing it. All we are doing is applying a
1: veneer of intellect uh, toward the uh, the allure of
2: celebrity. But there's no veneer at all. I think that we're doing the exact opposite. That there's all these things that are like plainly obvious that people are willfully glazing over with you know these erroneous ideas that if this one thing is untrue everything else must be untrue. But I mean, there's things that you can't gloss over in his life, you know? And I mean, there's things that are untrue. I mean, I haven't run across anything that would validate his claims about uh, doing, quote, favors for the CIA. For sure. I haven't come across anything like that. But like, there's a bunch of stuff that is actually factual and that like there are the, the like the the, the 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 genesis of this whole project was that there's no other figure like him, action star, where there's this element of intrigue that arguably is greater than any role he's ever had.
3: You like want to see what he's about to do now? Yeah,
0: yeah. The amazing thing about Lawman is, I think this exactly, which is that Steven Seagal himself is oftentimes more interesting than the characters he plays. Yes, yes. And you get a sense of that with Lawman, which you don't get in any of these movies, which is he is a fascinating character. Trying to think of who is the guy who plays the main villain in Back to the Future, Butch or whatever. What's that guy's name? And he's like an outsider artist. He's the only person I can think who's sort of equivalent.
2: You know, Crispin Glover. Yeah, Crispin Glover.
0: Crispin Glover. I thought Crispin Glover was Marty's dad. Is he? Shut okay. up, Marty. Uh, I haven't seen any of the films. But, yeah, he is Marty's um, dad. It, he's like... You've never
2: seen Back to the Future?
0: No. Oh, my God. It's such a treat. But you're a Rick
2: and Morty fan? <laughs> <laughs> this is what Rick and Morty's <laughs>
0: Shut up, but, Marty. But what I'm saying is, like, it's, it's the same thing with Crispin Glover. I, I don't know most Shut of up, what Crispin Marty. Glover does... Thank you. Let's ruin the audio for everybody with our own asides. Hey, hey, Jamie. Hey, Jamie. Does that? D- don't the chips look real good right now, Jamie? Um, I think one of the things that makes Steven Seagal so interesting is a similar thing to Christian Glover, which is that those guys are fascinating people who oftentimes are boxed in to these roles that they play, whereas when you get them outside of that, they're so much more interesting. I mean, not always for good.
1: I feel like this could be, like, the the voiceover for
2: defense of Donald Trump. You could say the same I don't thing. think there's any correlation between Steven Seagal and Donald Trump. Because with Steven Seagal, I feel like his politics often undermine themselves.
1: I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about the leverage of celebrity for influence.
2: Well, I think with with, with Donald Trump that, like, The his sort of artifice or uh, his lies or uh, aspects of his personality that, you know, have been proven to be untrue or dumb or whatever, whatever. In his mind, all these things are uh, constructed for some sort of gain. But I think the thing that's fascinating with Steven Seagal is that, like, a lot of these aspects of his personality seem to be contradictory and seem to be uh, like undermining not only his sort of worldview, but even his like his career and that like these sort of things that he's constructed it's almost as if he's constructed them with sort of like a like a pure heart because he sincerely believes in that because there's some sort of end gain from it and that's what's so fascinating about it, that it it's almost like there's there's things that he's so passionate about that have negatively affected his career and he still remains an outspoken proponent of these things. And then even within his films, like uh, D- Asian medicine, sometimes he'll make a joke kind of maligning Asian medicine. And it's just it, it's so difficult to kind of like like pin down what's what's really going on and what's really real. So, so you're saying that because some of the
1: things that he sort of supports are actively degrading his own celebrity, that there's an element of verisimilitude to his entire career?
2: I mean, it's not so much, like, verisimilitude in the sense of, like, deep thought and, like, is the super sincerity. I mean, obviously
1: there's no deep thought going on here right, right. now, but... I, I Like, this whole thing is a fucking plot twist for me, because I thought we were going to sit around and, and make
2: veiled jokes about... Oh, not at Seagal's all. ...the seagull's like, hair. The thing with that is that, like, that wouldn't warrant an entire podcast. That would be like a drunken night, you know, hand in the armpit, fart noise, and we're done with it. Okay, but... But it's like there's so much more, you know, like, I mean, I I sincerely think like we could go through his entire filmography and still have things to talk about.
3: Anthony, do you think there's more? I think that like with a character like this, it's funny to just see how he handles himself, like in the sense that he doesn't even know. I don't even think he always thinks things through. He just does things. Yes, Exactly. The, th- yeah.
1: the thing is, if you were confronted in your lo- own life with somebody with an ego the size of Seagull's, you would immediately,
2: immediately say, fuck you. But here's the thing with him. And we we kind of touched on this, I think, hopefully during the, the podcast or certainly if not before, uh, just to be safe, I'll kind of revisit it a bit. But like this idea of. Like, he might not be the best at the things he's really passionate about, but, like, he is outstandingly average at certain things. So, for example, his music.
3: And motivated.
0: It's the Dwight Schrute thing again, where this is a guy who's very good but very misguided at a
1: whole bunch of different things. Paul, you sound like John Madden starting off a critique
2: like that. Like, the football coach? <laughs> yeah.
1: This is a guy who, you know, when you give him a stage and a song to sing... <laughs> hey, guys,
0: it's first in goal on this podcast. Let's <laughs> let's finish things up. Michael, you and I, I feel like we should... Is this worth watching? Dude, just how we finish
2: off all these podcasts. Because apparently you guys haven't even listened to it and you got invited on. I sincerely think that Steven Saga must see. I think that, like, it is... The one thing that he's done, where for people who know about Steven Seagal, even if they've never seen anything before, I think just from like the the cursory knowledge of you know his success in the late eighties, early nineties, transition straight to video, whatever, whatever, that like they will have even even if you've never seen a movie before, even if you just know the name, you'll watch this and you'll have enough information to. It, like to find either this super enjoyable, or at the very least, just, like absolutely intriguing. Like to, to just, it's it's like a surreal exploration of the reality TV format. I I think like like I burned through the first season. I like I like I was like incredibly close to actually purchasing the digital versatile disc version of season two because i was having trouble finding a streaming version of it like that that's how much i enjoy i was willing to pay money as if buy... fucking unpack the acronym just to say that yeah you like i that, didn't man.
3: even know what the acronym was in it's, though,
2: it's good yeah. <laughs> people think it's digital video disc but it's not man. it's digital versatile disc because it can also be dvd audio there we go hey oh but yeah it, like it's a must see for sure like it, it, like it. Not only in terms of like it's some sort of ironic hate watching. Like I think there's way, there's way more in there. <laughs> it, it's it's a reality TV masterpiece. Uh, the coverage that this crew gets is incredible. You barely ever see a cameraman. Great motion graphics. It's it's fantastic. A must see.
0: You're absolutely right. This is a must see. This is reality TV at its best because there are so many different layers operating here. In this show, there's a man who's trying to come back out of B-movie and sort of direct-to-DVD stardom, who's trying to craft his own narrative as he's actively being sort of micromanaged by a police force so that he can't do too much damage. It's an amazing orchestra to watch, and then it's all edited to make it seem like that this man is the hero. And it's beautiful. It's a beautiful confluence of different economically interested parties all coming together, making something satisfying to all of them in that they're all profiting off of this, even though it's only giving very cursory glances into any of the things that they say they're focusing on. It's beautiful.
2: It is beautiful.
3: I absolutely recommend it. At the very least, you get to see that it's possible to shoot a toothpick out of a clothespin. So... At
0: the very least. At the very least. But w- do you recommend this to people? Would you Would you recommend watching this?
3: I think take your prescription medical marijuana, get really high, and just binge. I think it would be a hilarious, enlightening.
0: This, this would be a perfect Netflix show.
3: Oh, for sure. People would just get thirteen yeah. or twenty
0: four episodes all at once,
3: and they would just crush it. Yeah, because you just want to know what's about to happen next, and then the whole other layer of. Steven Seagal just being like, "Remember, I'm here, everyone." The whole
1: time. <laughs> Finally, Jamie, would you recommend this? I can't, in good conscious, re- uh, in good consciousness, recommend this show. I mean, it's 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 peddling of a substandard reality TV personality. It's supporting a narcissistic individual whose ego knows no bounds, and this guy is. Him, shit etc etc no i don't support this show tell us how you really feel though <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so this has been Flockus the Gauls. we're ending it with three correct opinions and one not so much
1: by the way can you edit out this spasticity in my voice please we-
0: We'll be back in two weeks with uh, another Belly of the Beast Belly of the Beast Unless the China salesman is available In an English format by then Which would be amazing It's a Mike Tyson one, right? Mike Tyson and Steven Seagal fight each other
3: Tony, you want to come by for that? (laughs)
1: You're kidding me I would love to
3: I'm going to be high for that with my medical marijuana
2: Yeah